Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're new here, my name's Jay. I'm one of the pastors, and it's a, it's a joy to be able to worship God together and to hear from his word. Would you stand with us as we begin our time together? We're going to hear a call to worship. The song we just opened with uh, called Living Waters, it's, it's, a, it's an invitation. It says, are you thirsty? Are you empty? Come and drink these living waters, tired and broken, peace unspoken, rest beside these living waters. This morning, our call to worship is Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. You're going to hear some similar themes here. But let me read this for us as our invitation to come and worship the God who satisfies and the God who provides rest. It says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money 
for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear, that your soul may live. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this invitation to come and find satisfaction in you. God, we begin this service confessing we have chased after other things to satisfy us this week. We believe scripture when it tells us that you are the only one who can satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. So please help our unbelief. And please forgive us for trying to find life in pursuits that cannot fulfill our needs. God, may we cling to Christ who came so that we may have abundant life. Would you help us to turn from our idols and turn to you today? God, our powerful, wise, loving, and merciful God. Holy Spirit, would you help us this morning? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea. To the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name, you are Awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim, you are amazing God. Who has told every lightning bolt where it should go? Or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow? Who imagined the sun and gives source to its life? Yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night. None can fathom indescribable uncontainable you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name you are amazing god all powerful untamable awestruck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim you are amazing god
indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck, we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. You are in the sky and you know them by name you are amazing God incomparable unchangeable you see the depths of my heart and you love me the same you are amazing God you see the depths of my heart and you love me the same you are amazing God you are amazing God you are amazing God God sees the depths of your heart, and he loves you the same. This is why regular confession is so important. We, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, through confession, we grow in seeing the depths of our own hearts, how broken, sick, sinful it is, and then we gain a more accurate understanding of how big of a deal the cross really is which then leads us to greater worship of the God who knows our hearts and loves us still. So we're going to take a moment to reflect individually on our own, uh, on our own sinfulness, confessing it to God, and then we're going to actually sing a song of confession together before we receive words of assurance from God's word. So take a moment now and confess your sins to God and we'll sing together. sing this confession together. For what we have done and left undone, we fall on your countless mercies. For sins that are known and those unknown, we call on your name so For closing our eyes, for scorning. 
loving our very neighbor. In thought, word, and deed, we failed you, our King. How deeply we need a Savior. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on us. For what you have done. For what you have done. Your life of love, you perfectly lived, we praise you. Though tempted and tried, you fix your eyes, finish the work God gave you. And there on the tree, a king among thieves, for a world's betrayal. I love to the end, a merciful friend, how pure and forever faithful. Sing that chorus. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. For hearts that are cold. For hearts that are cold. For seizing control. For scorning our very maker. In thought, word, and deed, we failed you, our King. How deeply we need a Savior. Christ, have mercy. 
mercy, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy on us. Hear the good news. Who is in a, po- a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Know that God's faithful provision is found in the forgiveness of your sins. So let's sing of his faithfulness together now. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou been thou forever wilt be great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies I see Thy hand hath 
Good morning. Welcome to City Church. My name is Chipper. I'm one of the pastors here. We are a church aspiring to be an authentic community walking with God in our city. And speaking of God's faithfulness, just a reminder that one of the acts of God's faithfulness is actually allowing us to gather in exactly this kind of space, to sing songs to God, to take communion, uh, to hear from his word. God bless you from being here, uh, for being here, especially if you're new. Uh, we love you very much, and you're part of our family. Um, please consider filling out a connection card. We put these cards in your bulletin when you walk in. Uh, this is an opportunity primarily for you to indicate how we can be in prayer for you. So consider taking a card, uh, putting your prayer requests on there. You can make it anonymous. You can put your name on it. However you want to do that, please tell us how we can pray for you. And if you put those cards in the seat pockets in front of you, we'll collect them after the service, or you can drop them in the brown box that's sitting in the back of the sanctuary as well. We worship a generous God. Part of our responsive worship as the people of God is giving generously. Um, you can give online, citychurchgmv.com, slash give, or again, we have that brown box in the back of the sanctuary. Okay, here's the itinerary. I'm going to give you some really encouraging, I think, announcements, uh, and then we're going to show some honor to a whole bunch of people and celebrate together. So that's where we're going. All right, here are the announcements. We have a lot going on this week, praise God, uh, and I would encourage you to participate in as much or all of this. On Friday, we are having at 6.30 at the home of Mark and Maureen Szymanski a mixer, a women's mixer event. So this is an opportunity to get to know other women in the life of our church, uh, to have wonderful conversations, to eat great food, uh, and just find out what does it mean to be involved in the life of our church and to uh, be more plugged in and just go. 6.30, Friday night, a couple hours. Uh, there's information in your bulletin. If you want uh, someone to reach out to you about this event, just put something on your connection card. We would love to connect with you. So that's at 6.30 this Friday um, evening. On Saturday morning at Creekside Community Church, kind of in their back grassy area, in their park area behind their building, Creekside, we're having a, a spring festival for our children, for our families. That's at 9.30. So come on Saturday morning at 9.30. This is a really wonderful opportunity to invite people. Um, so please consider inviting someone, coming with them. 9.30 this coming Saturday morning, and that's at Creekside. And then, at 10 o'clock that same day, I kid you not, 
So it's a little bit of a timing thing here. You'll have to figure out at 10 o'clock. So our, we have an outreach team here at City Church that goes out at least once a month and ministers to people who are in our downtown community that don't, that don't have homes or experiencing homelessness. There are neighbors. And the primary thing that we're trying to do is build relationships um, and to get to know them. So we are actually making a little switcheroo here. We've traditionally been doing this on Sunday afternoons, uh, right after church. We're going to try a Saturday morning rhythm for a while because we think it might make it possible for more people in the life of our church to be a part of it. So come on Saturday at 10 o'clock. Come early. Come just a few minutes, like 15, 20 minutes early if you want to uh, be a part of this team you've never participated. There will be people here in the community room that are ready to go. They're ready to tell you more about what we're doing and give you all the instructions you need to make you feel really great about everything, okay? So that would be this Saturday um, at 10 o'clock. And please do not be shy. If you're like, you know what, this is very, I'm not used to doing something like this, to going out and just kind of going up to people. Do it anyway and see what God will do. And I think that you will be encouraged and challenged in, in wonderful ways. Palm Sunday is this coming Sunday. Uh, you'll hear kids singing at our services, so how you miss that, I have no idea. Um, that's your bad. If you're not here, it'd be really encouraging. You can be praying for these kids as they prepare this week uh, to be a part of that. Um, and I just want to let you know, we will be having a Good Friday service at 7 o'clock at Creekside on Good Friday. Uh, so that's two Fridays from now, 7 o'clock outside with Creekside. We did this last year. We're doing it again. going to be wonderful. Creekside, by the way, is also part of our denomination, same same denomination, Evangelical Free Church of America. And then Easter Sunday, we're having, Lord willing, three services. So we're having a sunrise service at 7.30 a.m. It's not here on the graphic, but I promise you it's happening. 7.30 a.m. sunrise service at a location in or around downtown outside, and we'll tell you more about that location soon. We're still working on it, but 7.30, and that will be a very stripped-down service, so, so not plugged in at all. Uh, you bring your lawn chair, we'll have some acoustic worship and uh, preaching, and that will be that, outside 7.30. And then 9 and 11 a.m. on Easter Sunday, we'll have, you know, kind of more of our traditional Easter services right here. So 7.30 and then 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., that'll be on Easter Sunday. We would love to see you. We have uh, cards, I think maybe in your bulletin, uh, to invite people to these services. And if not, we definitely have them back on the hospitality table, so I would encourage you to pick those up. All right, this is where we get to show honor to various people in the life of our church. Um, you might have seen this really incredible bass player just a few minutes ago um, playing bass up here on the stage. Ben Abuwada has been part of our church for the past seven years, uh, serving incredibly faithfully um, on the music team almost from the very beginning, and then now he and his wife, Leslie lead one of our community groups, and they serve in all kinds of capacities here. Uh, Ben's been here seven years. Leslie has been here about three years. Um, they got married, and Leslie moved here, and she's also been a part of our church. As you know, Ben doesn't just play the bass. He owns the bass now, right? I'm going to get preaching. He owns that bass. Um, and then uh, Leslie and Ben, I, one of the things I mentioned to them uh, earlier this week is they have done... I think a profoundly good job, and you'll never know about this unless I tell you, they've done a profoundly good job caring for people in difficult seasons uh, who are going through very difficult times, have, I would say, unique gifts from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, and ministering to people in that very significant way. Uh, in God's providence, uh, this is their last Sunday here at City Church. They are moving to uh, Washington, D.C. for job-related 
reasons uh, to go be a blessing to the D.C. area. In case you're really sad, as sad as I am, I was, I was getting allergies over there just a minute ago. Um, <laughs> first of all, praise God for the seven years that been he- has been here um, and the three years that Leslie has been here. God didn't have to do that, but he did it. And the pandemic has been very difficult, but it also gave us more time with Ben and Leslie because of some delays on there, and so praise God for that. Um, in a sense, right? Um, we're glad that you were here a little bit longer uh, than you were anticipating. So um, I'm going to show honor to them. They have blessed our church, I mean, so richly, guys. Um, so take a minute after the service to say hello to them and goodbye, and God will bring them back. It's just a matter of when, right? It's just a matter of when. So we love you, Ben and Leslie. You've been so faithful. Um, and such an encouragement to myself and all of us here at City Church. Um, I also want to show honor <laughs> to God um, for doing something really remarkable in the life of our church. So this past Thursday at 2 p.m., if you want to be really specific, we actually closed on this building. So we met. Um, yep, we can clap for that too. Back in the uh, mid-late fall, our landlord came to us and gave us the opportunity to buy this building um, and said, hey, I want to close at the end of March. So we had to go really fast on a capital campaign to secure enough mon- uh, funds to do a down payment uh, for this building so that we could close on it and own it, which we did on Thursday, which is really a minor miracle. It's super quick uh, to go through that campaign and secure the funds. So as of now, we own this building. Uh, we are landlords. <laughs> Um, for the time being, and we'll continue to um, lease some of the units here as we raise funds for renovations. So we secured enough funding for the down payment, and then we now have a loan through actually a really wonderful organization called CIF, Christian Investors Financial, which is affiliated with our denomination. So uh, they provided money, and they're making us pay it back, which I understand. Um, So we'll do that. In the next few years, the, the lease money that we're taking in actually helps offset our mortgage payments, um, which is fantastic. And so you can pray that we'll continue to have wonderful tenants until we're ready to start our uh, wide-scale renovation. Speaking of which, now that we've hit that short-term goal and we've closed, now we pivot our time and energy uh, towards raising funds for renovations. Um, so we're, we're now, as of now, engaged in like basically three-year campaign uh, to bring in enough funding to do all of our renovations, which will include renovations to this entire, you know, 23,000 square foot building, Lord willing, in different phases. So you now have an opportunity to participate in that. We've been telling you about the City Roots Project for a while, uh, but we need enough funds. Um, We need between basically one and a half and two and a half million dollars in the next three years to come in. Um, It's a fair amount, but it's absolutely doable if we and other people in our city and our community give sacrificially. This would be a wonderful time to consider making a pledge. A pledge means that I intend to give um, this amount of money over the next three years. So you're not giving it right now. You're just saying, I would like to be a part of this over the next three years or however many years you want to be a part of it. There's information on our hospitality table. There's packets that you can take. Um, Put something on your connection card. I'll reach out to you. We'll reach out to you and tell you more. If you want to, just write city roots on there, and we'll give you all the information you could ever want. Um, but it's all, it's going to take, we're the kind of church where it's going to take all of us giving something. Uh, we're not the kind of church where someone's going to kind of come in and just, you know, here's a million dollars. It's going to take all of us investing, and every amount is very significant, even if it feels small to you. So honor to God for making this possible. 
um, incredible, I mean, kind of stunning that this is happening in the context of the last two years in particular, given all the difficulties churches and our world have been navigating. If you'd like to make a pledge, we'd really love it if you would turn that in um, by April 24th, and we're going to have a celebration uh, at the first weekend of May, kind of give you the amount and, and give you an update as far as what God has done. So consider giving a pledge. You can give it um, by the end of April. There's pledge cards in those packets back there, uh, or just put something on your connection card, and we'll be really intentional in reaching out to you. Okay? So praise God for providing this building. Um, he's been very, very good to us. Now I want to show honor to one more group. This is a group. Our missions committee the past two years has done a remarkable job establishing long-term missionary partnerships, an incredible job under the very faithful leadership of Emily Simmons. We are taking on a couple of new partnerships. So we already have three long, well, I guess long, last year and a half established partnerships. We're actually adding two more. And Ben Kidd, who is part of our missions committee, is going to come up now and give you a bit of an intro about one of those new partnerships. I'm going to tell you about one of them now, then one of them at the end of the month. So Ben Kidd, who's been a part of our committee for a while, doing a fantastic job, is going to give you some intro comments. We'll show a quick video, then he's going to pray over this new partnership. Thank you, Chipper. Um, hi, everyone. If you don't know me, I'm Ben. Um, so I'm on the missions committee, and as part of a member of the missions committee, we were tasked, and one of our goals was to not only partner with missionaries who are reaching unreached people groups, but also to work with people with Bible translations and to really kind of focus our efforts on Bible translations. So we're really excited that um, we get announced today that we are taking a huge step forward with that goal and that mission in mind. Um, so we are partnering with Wycliffe International. So they are an international organization that specializes in translating Bibles into languages that do not have Bibles. And so we're, this is going to be a different kind of partnership than we've ever had before because it's really with a people group rather than with individuals. And so we are going to be partnering to bring um, a Bible to the Akabu culture and their language. Um, so they are a people group in Togo. Um, and so this kind of lines up with some of our other missionary partners that we are already partnering with. So we're really excited, and we actually have a video that will give a little bit more information. Um, and yeah, so if we can play that. Translators, and we're so excited about your partnership. Yes, and I'm Doug Haig, also serving with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And I'm excited because um, I've got a personal connection with the Akebu project that goes back quite a few years. And that connection started with a fairly radical prayer, Lord, help me fall in love with a people group. When I prayed that prayer, it led to a advocacy campaign where I reached out to Jacques Sasukbe, the lead translator for the Akebu project, and connected with him directly. And that led to connecting my home church with the Akibu Project, which uh, our church started supporting the Akibu on a monthly uh, basis. And then just through chance, a, a God thing, I learned about a pastor in the Akibu region who had prayed that their community would have a church. Now, when I shared that need with our missions pastor at Faith, uh, after we were already supporting the translation, that's when things really got exciting. 
I've had the privilege of going to Togo three times with my home church, where over the course of those visits, we've built nine different churches, nine different villages throughout the Akibu region. Faith has continued to be involved in the relationship with the Akibu, has continued to grow, and it's, it's super exciting. So we appreciate your partnership. Yes, we do. And let me tell you a little bit more about that project. The project is in the West African nation of Togo. The people there currently have access to Genesis and they have portions of the New Testament. This project will complete the remaining New Testament books. All of these books are going to be published digitally on a mobile scripture app, those that you're probably familiar with on your smartphone, and some selections will be available to them in print. They will also record nine New Testament books in audio format. We're going to produce scripture-based radio plays and songs and organize about 60 literacy classes and we'll be training literacy teachers through this project. Scripture celebrations will be held as some of these books are published, as well as a large scripture celebration when the New Testament is published as a whole later. Just so you have a little bit of an understanding about the Akabu people, they currently follow traditional religion, which involves rituals to appease ancestral spirits. So you can see that having scripture in their language will help people recognize false teachings and it will deepen their understanding of the gospel message. Local churches support the project by praying regularly, hosting meetings, and even supplying meals for the translators. Today, there are more Akabu churches and cross-denominational collaboration as a result of this very important translation work. So we really mean it when we say how much we're excited for you and your connection, your partnership with the Akibu Project. And we're praying that you also fall in love with the Akibu people. When you fall in love, anything is possible. Thank you so much for your partnership. Yes, thank you. That is Doug and Vicki. They're both wonderful people. Um, and yeah, so we're really excited about this. It's something super new for us as a church. Um, and so we're gonna really need some patience on y'all's end and some feedback. Because um, one of our goals as a missions committee is to mobilize our church body to be praying for our missionary partners and our missionary people groups um, regularly and also when we have the opportunities to go and serve. Um, so if we're not doing that, please give us feedback and help us do that better. Uh, we currently have prayer cards um, in the back when you leave, just to the right of the doors, um, right when you walk out. So if you can pick some of those up and be praying for them. On the front of the card is just prayers, requests, and it shows you where Togo is in Africa. And on the back, it actually shows you a map of the Akabu region um, and where the churches are and where new churches are hopefully being planted. Um, so yeah, would love to get you guys more involved. There's, we're hoping that the big celebration will be next summer in 2023 when the entire New Testament is published. So if we can be praying for that goal to be realized, that would be amazing. And hopefully some of y'all can go and celebrate with them. So I'm gonna go ahead and pray for them and then hand it back. Father, thank you so much for everything that you do. Father, thank you for all that you've done Thank you for your word. 
And thank you for the opportunity for us as a church to partner with Wycliffe and to partner with Faith Church to help bring your word to the Akebu people. Please help us love them well. Please help us prayerfully partner with them. And Lord, please give us insight in how our church can just be helping spread your good news to them. Father, I want to pray over all the translators that you will continue to give them strength, give them endurance during this time. Um, and we want to pray that you will also provide the opportunity for new churches to continue to be built um, and for the believers who are there to continue reaching out to their brothers, their sisters, their neighbors, and Lord, whoever they come in contact with. Thank you so much for everything you're doing, and we just praise you. Amen. Scripture passage for this morning is from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. The passage will be up here on the screen. If you have a Bible, we would definitely encourage you to pull that out and follow along with us. And there's some blue Bibles in the baskets in front of you. Those are for you to take, uh, to use not only this morning, but to keep if you don't have a Bible. If you are physically able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of God's word. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray together. Lord, we do give you praise for this brand new missionary partnership we're establishing with the Akebu people. And we pray for wise stewardship of our time and money as we engage with him. And we do pray for a completion of the New Testament in the next year and a half or so and uh, that we might celebrate with them and even participate with them, Lord, if you would if you would have us do that. And we thank you once again for Ben and Leslie Avawada for their faithful presence here in the life of our church. And may you bless them so richly as they make their way to Washington, D.C. And, and put down some roots there and, and be a blessing to a new church family. Lord, may your spirit work in power that we might understand this text and apply it rightly for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I mean, 
This is a pastor's favorite passage, is it not? You know, not only should you be generous to the church, you should like it. You should be happy about it. You should be generous, and you should be cheerful. And you even have, you know, the, the scare tactics in here, too. At least it, it seems like it. You know, if you sow sparingly, you'll, you'll reap sparingly, buddy. I mean, it, if you sow sparingly, you're going to be driving around a, a 1980s Toyota Corona for the rest of your life. We'll see in a few moments that this is uh, not the most accurate take on that passage, but it's the stereotype, certainly. And there are folks out there, including spiritual leaders, who do lots to reinforce this stereotype, which makes this passage difficult to navigate, even in normal circumstances. And our present circumstances aren't at all normal, are they? We're living in a profoundly anxious and unhappy age, bookended, I was thinking about it this week, bookended rather neatly by World War III concerns. I mean, in, in January 2020, if you even remember January 2020, maybe not, but in January 2020, the U.S. was involved in um, Iran, and we were worried about World War III, and we started making these runs on potassium iodide pills, and then there was COVID, and we started making runs on toilet paper, and then there was all this fraughtness, you know, the past couple of years surrounding our national conversations about race and justice and politics, and we started making runs to Canada, and they didn't let us in. And now we have, I mean, a horrifying crisis in Ukraine, and we're worried about World War III again, and we're making runs on potassium iodide pills. I mean, things have been rough, and they've been tragic. Things have been confusing. No wonder we're anxious these days. This is the the age in which we're living. Some people have called this a, an anxious age, which makes this business about cheerfulness even more challenging to digest, especially when it comes to a topic like generosity. I mean, shouldn't we be looking out for ourselves right now? You know, shouldn't we be stuffing a bunch of cash underneath our mattresses? Well, good news. Cheerful generosity turns out to be exactly the sort of thing to be about in anxious times. Seriously. Cheerful generosity is the medicine for the anxious soul that simultaneously blesses whole communities, whereas hoarding and self-interest only compound our misery and the misery of other people. But I don't want you to take my word for it, Let's look at the text together. Quick reminder that this is week three of a three-week intensive on generosity, since that's precisely where 2 Corinthians takes us at this stage in the letter. Two weeks ago, we talked about the source of our generosity. It flows out of our understanding of God's generous and gracious love for us, seen primarily in Christ, who, even though he was rich, became poor, that we might be rich and, and join him in this glorious and heavenly inheritance. And when the grandeur of God's divine generosity seeps into our souls by the power of the Holy Spirit, we get joy everlasting. And the Apostle Paul showed us back in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that this kind of abundant joy, when we experience it, it overflows into our lives as this wave of gospel generosity. And then last week and this week we're talking about the manner of our generosity, how we should be generous. We've already seen that our generosity should be wise. 
And now this week we see that our generosity should be cheerful. The two reflections this morning, number one, the axiom for generous living, and then number two, the attitude for generous living. Let's start with that axiom. The, there's this axiom here presented in our passage for generous living. Recall from the past two weeks, in chapter 8 and then in the first part of chapter 9, that the Apostle Paul is encouraging Christians in Corinth to finish a financial collection for the church in Jerusalem, and Paul is organizing the logistics to make it all possible. The Corinthians had started this collection under Titus's leadership, but it fell by the wayside as the church wrestled with internal conflict and idolatry. Thankfully, Titus, who was ministering among the Corinthians in Paul's absence as Paul's representative, eventually reported back to Paul that Paul's severe of corrective letter that he had written them helped write their spiritual ship. Praise God. So Paul therefore made an appeal to Titus for him to go back to Corinth yet again along with two other very zealous ministry partners to help the rejuvenated church finally finish their collection and then gather it for delivery to the churches in Jerusalem. In order to further curate the hearts, of the Corinthians, for the sake of finishing this collection, Paul summarized the supreme reasonableness of generous living with an axiom that helps us further understand God's plan for generous living. Look at chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap Bountifully, there's a very large church chance that you have heard that phrase, you've heard that verse, even just kind of colloquially in our society. But Paul is not being original here at all. You can find very similar expressions all over the place in the Scripture. This is Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And we saw this same kind of thinking now a couple of years ago in our John series, specifically John chapter 4. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. And now Galatians chapter 6, same kind of thing. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So we reap what we sow. That is a very concrete biblical idea that you see repeated again and again. But then Paul is actually expounding on this thinking a bit. And to understand what Paul means, it helps to very carefully trace, so work with me here, it helps to trace the progression of his thought in this passage. So, verse 6, the more we, leave, more we live generously, the more we will reap bountifully. Well, what is meant by reaping bountifully? That is the question of the out is so important not to make assumptions here and, and many assumptions about what Paul means by reaping bountifully completely miss the mark. So skip to verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase, here it is, the harvest of your righteousness. So the supplier, that is God, 
graciously gives generously to his sowers, that is us, his stewards, that it might produce righteousness in us. Meaning, verse 8, that God is generous to us so that we will end up abounding in every good work. So in context, specifically, good works toward the poor and the marginalized. Or to put it yet another way, this time, in verse 11, God is generous to us and thereby enriches us so that we will be generous in every way. And when we live generously, when this kind of righteousness is pervasive in our lives, it will result in a harvest that provides physically for the needs of the saints, that is, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, see verse 12. In this case, and specifically this was for the needs of the needy Christians in Jerusalem, and it will produce a harvest that includes thanksgiving and praise to the Lord, see verses 11 and 12, and a harvest that glorifies God, verse 13. So God captivates our hearts with his grace, and then he gives us everything that we need, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And since we have what we need from God, we are now free and empowered to live generously for the sake of others instead of using other people to accomplish personal goals or experience some kind of existential fulfillment. And then, our righteousness will cultivate a harvest in which real needs are met and God is glorified. As you can probably tell, this is a really good plan. This is an excellent plan. God knows what he's doing. So reaping bountifully is not about generous people reaping material rewards. Please hear me so clearly on this. Reaping bountifully is not about generous people reaping material rewards, which means that sowing bountifully will cost you personally in very significant ways, and there is no promise at all to us here in this passage or anywhere in Scripture that the ledger will be equal, yet alone favorable, on this side of heaven. And in earthly, material sense, we may end up with a lot of debits, a lot of giving and giving and giving, and not all that many credits. That's entirely possible for followers of Jesus on this side of heaven. And actually, I, this is one of many reasons I find it kind of spiritually dangerous to put. You'll sometimes, in the context of a tithe or an offering or an offering box, you'll see 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 on there or, or listed there. I find it a little dangerous to put it there because it's so easy to misunderstand this verse unless you have its context. Church, God might require the shirt off your back and you may never get that vacation house in return. I think perhaps even more significantly, you might require the shirt off your back. And that cancer might not go away. But when we sow sacrificially and wisely, here's what we will see. For sure, here's what we're going to see. People who are in need, our church family, in our city, etc., they will experience physical, spiritual and emotional relief. They will. And then, 
an aroma of thanksgiving will ascend to God and glorify his name. We will get that harvest. That's the bountiful harvest. And this is why generosity in anxious times is, I mean, just particularly valuable. And anxious times, needs become more widespread, they become more acute, making generosity even more necessary, even more urgent. And the joy that's experienced on all sides in the midst of this kind of generosity ends up nourishing us so richly in a season when not much else is a reliable provider of joy. And conversely, and I would say perhaps somewhat counterintuitively, hoarding and in stinginess for the sake of self-preservation, it actually compounds our anxiety and misery. It does not mitigate it. Because that's what self-focus always does. Every time. Church, our joy in the Lord is directly tethered to the intensity of our gaze upon Jesus. So self-focus will always be a direct competitor and a joy stealer. You will not solve your anxiety in anxious times by being stingy and self-focused. You will make it worse. Hoarding also, and this is probably obvious, it compounds the misery of those around us because their needs, when we hoard, when we're self-focused, the needs which are expanding, they go unmet and they become larger and more painful. So here's what we should do. How about this? Romans chapter 12 talks about outdoing one another and showing honor. So let's take that principle and apply it to generosity. Let's outdo one another in living generously. Let's outdo one another in living generously so that our deeds of righteousness benefit our church family and city and world in radical ways, so that those who don't follow Jesus might see our generosity and trust in Jesus because the intensity of our generosity is a compelling witness to the truthfulness of the gospel, especially in an understandably skeptical age, so that we and others might experience the richness of gospel joy, which exceeds the boundaries of our external circumstances, and it helps us persevere in anxious times. You want to persevere in anxious times? Give generously. If this is compelling, if you're hearing this and say, yes, I want to get in the game, we need to start by wrestling with the following two questions. Number one, do we actually believe the first part of verse 8 and verse 10? That God's grace is responsible for us having sufficiency in all things at all times that we might live generously. That God really does supply seed for the sower and bread for food and will therefore give us everything we need that we might live generously. Trusting that God will provide for us in all circumstances, not only making us content with whatever we've been given at any time, but also empowering us for generosity. Do we, do we believe that this is, this is true? And then number two, do we believe... And this is something that I really want you to walk out of here with this morning, wrestling with this question. Church, do we believe that this harvest of righteousness that I've just been talking about, 
that God has in mind is truly beautiful and valuable. Honestly, more valuable than our comfort. More valuable than our leisure. More valuable than our weekend plans. Do we actually believe that? Honesty is so, it's so important. Do, do we get the ho-hums, you know, when, when we hear of, of needs being met and people growing in Christ and people becoming followers of Jesus? Or do our hearts leap for joy when we hear reports of people worshiping the Lord and needs being met because of the generosity of God and the ways in which it is flowing through His people? Intellectually, we know the right answer. But privately, do we yearn more for material things and experiences than spiritual fruit? Church, do you yearn more for material things and, and experiences and, and trips and so forth? Do you yearn more for that, as good as those things can be, than spiritual fruit? Which of these things has, has the edge in our hearts. It's so important that we examine our hearts accordingly because living generously requires us, church, to be convinced that the harvest that God has in mind is indeed the most beautiful and valuable and worth giving our very lives to. Lord, would you, would you do this kind of work in us? This kind of convincing work. Please convince us that true joy in life comes from you and and not from the abundance of our possessions or the abundance of our experiences or the abundance of our accomplishments. Yes, God can and does give those sorts of things as gifts to us, and we can enjoy them and give thanks to Him and delight in them, but they are not and cannot be the source of true life. So this is how we live generously, trusting that God's harvest is the most glorious kind of harvest and worth sowing into bountifully despite the earthly cost even if God takes a shirt off our back. And trusting that God will always provide for us in the midst of our generosity, that we cannot outgive Him. But let's be very upfront. Sometimes we do struggle to treasure the kind of harvest that God treasures. And sometimes we struggle to believe that God is indeed the perfect supplier and will give us what we need as we live generously in order to live extravagantly. So let's think more about how we might truly and cheerfully embrace the kind of generous living that God calls us to. And that brings us to the second reflection we're considering this morning, the attitude for generous living. So we're called not only to believe this intellectually, but to embrace all this at a heart level that would inspire cheerful, joyful generosity. Look again at verse 6 and through verse 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a very cheerful giver. Before we consider this godly attitude for generous living, notice what we're avoiding. You see what we're avoiding? Giving reluctantly or giving under compulsion. Giving reluctantly basically means giving to check a box. You know, we're, we're not sure why generous living is important, and deep down if you, you kind of wonder if this whole thing is just some big scam, but you've heard that 
you know, good Christians are supposed to be generous, and there's a certain amount of social pressure, and so you, you just do it. You grin and bear it. You're not sure, but like, ah, okay, here's 20 bucks. Giving under compulsion generally means living generously to avoid punishment from God as if he's out to get you if you hold out on it. Or it can also mean giving to impress other people. You desperately want or need to win the approval or respect of someone, so you give compulsively for that purpose. Both of these compulsive motivations for giving are based on serious misunderstandings of God's character. In the first case, we're forgetting that God is fundamentally merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's who he is. That's his default mode. He's not out to get his kids. In the second case, we're forgetting that God himself is enough for us, and he gives us what we need. So we end up trying to supplement his provision by pining for the approval of other people. This is what we're avoiding, and this is what we're pursuing instead. We're cheerfully generous, which Paul explains in verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided to in his heart, which is a fancy way of saying that each one must give cheerfully. And then the rationale, you see it here at the end of verse 7. For God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, everyone should give cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. And conversely, God does not love reluctant or compulsive giving because neither is based in love and instead rooted in a very deficient understanding of God's character and an unhealthy affixation upon the approval of others and on your self-image. But how do we give cheerfully? How do we give cheerfully? We're going to need some help. Because you cannot be genuinely cheerful on your own when it comes to generosity. We're not naturally, cheerfully generous. We can't just conjure up genuine cheerfulness on our own. And manufactured cheerfulness is just, it's the creepiest thing in the world. Holy smokes. Which is why all of us have at least, you know, a bit of trouble with, with the clowns at the little kid birthday party. You know, we know what's on the outside doesn't match what's on the inside, and it makes us very uncomfortable. Now I say, I'm sure there's someone in here now who's a, who's a vocational clown. We <laughs> love you. Doing good work. So we can't be genuinely cheerful on our own. And we really should not try to manufacture cheerfulness. My goodness, so now what? Here's what. Consider the following two promises that we find in this text that act as, as rocket boosters. We're trying to be culturally relevant here. Some, some NOS, I guess, for cheerful generosity, okay? Promise number one. God never asks us to live in a manner that he doesn't provide for. He never asks us to live in a manner that he doesn't provide for. Look at these verses once again. We've seen them already, but look at these phrases again. Verse 8, his grace will abound in you. Verse 10, he, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Verse 10 again, he will multiply your seed for sowing. Verse 11, you will be enriched to be generous. You get, I mean, this could not be more clear. We can give 
joyfully and cheerfully, not fearfully, not anxiously, because we know that God will certainly provide for us when we live generously in accordance with his will. So if you have $10 to your name and you are convinced that you should give eight of them away, that this is what God is calling you to do, do exactly that and know that God will continue to provide for your needs. He will make those remaining $2 go miraculously far. Maybe he'll give you $10 more, who knows? Or if it's your time that you're giving away, know that he will multiply your remaining time. God is always pouring himself out for us so that we can cheerfully pour ourselves out for others without fear. That's how it is. And I say can, that we can cheerfully pour ourselves out for others without fear because, church, the Holy Spirit is ultimately the one who brings all of this together. It's the Holy Spirit that, that takes all of this head knowledge and makes it heart knowledge. And it's the Holy Spirit who is the fount of cheerfulness and joy, a connection that Scripture makes really clear. For example, this is Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we immerse ourselves in promises like these, and then we trust that the Spirit will take them and apply them in our lives supernaturally for the sake of killing fear and giving us abundant joy, such as in the context of generosity. Promise number two. Church, the blessings of our faithful generosity will endure forever. Look again at verse 8 and then through verse 9. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 9 is a quotation from Psalm 112, which, which speaks of a, a man, an, an unnamed man, who exhibits a kind of faithful, cheerful generosity that Paul is calling for in this passage. And Paul is quoting Psalm 112 because it shows us that this kind of righteousness endures forever, which in the context of this psalm, and I would encourage you to check it out today, to read it today, appears to emphasize a, a reward or, or some kind of honor it's the same kind of thing that Jesus gets at. The book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Could there possibly be a more cheerful consideration for our generosity? I mean, now we know that our generosity in an, in an eternal sense is never for nothing. It always pays off. And the way that it will pay off, albeit somewhat mysterious to us now. We, we can't fully understand what these blessings will look like when we're with the Lord in heaven. But we do know that those blessings will vastly exceed the earthly expectations of even the greatest philanthropists. Whatever we give up is nothing compared, church, to what we are going to gain, even if it doesn't feel like it now even if the very real sacrifices that we're making now make us feel like we're missing out. So our generosity has present and it has future benefits. It, it squelches fear and anxiety and it helps us enjoy God now and it puts blessings in the bank for later as well. And God loves this cheerfulness because people will give thanks to God because of it and will glorify his name. If you're not living generously or maybe you're living 
a little bit generously and you just feel stuck, take small steps of faith. Move into this, inch by inch, and see what God does. Start somewhere and then, and then build on this generosity. And, you know, I think you will be very impressed with what, with what God does. That he'll keep providing for you, and then you'll, you'll depend on Him more and more and be content in Him more and more. And He'll use your generosity to provide for the needs of others. And in that dependency upon the Lord and in that contentment, you'll find that your cheerfulness and living generously will blossom. And it'll create this cheerfulness, this joyfulness that exceeds all of our earthly circumstances in this very anxious age. I was, you might have seen, some of you might have seen, there was an article uh, in Christianity Today this month. It might have just been in their virtual issue that they put out, but it's all about believers at, at Central Baptist Church in a western city of Ukraine near the border of Poland and there's all sorts of information about what's going on in this church. It's, it's just bonkers. I mean, the church is, is just is firing on all cylinders. There's, there's, they're doing a, a refugee kind of ministry, and they're, they're, um, the pictures I have in mind here, is you, the, the kind of lead picture for the article is these three women. I'm always reluctant to guess at the age of people that are older than me. They look like they're in their late 60s. Let's just say they're in their 40s, right? <laughs> um, there's three women who are seated at a table, and they are sewing cloth to make camouflage netting for the military on the third floor you know, of Central Baptist Church in a city who I practice pronouncing the name, and I am really clamming up right now. So it's just in West Ukraine. Um, but here's the thing that I want to emphasize. There, there is a profound look of contentment and joy in their faces that just blew me away when I saw it. Not, not the cheesy thing. Not the we're smiling for the camera and yeah, everything. Not, none of that. Things are not great in Ukraine. And I was thinking to myself, why, why are they, why this, this look of joyful contentment? I hope you get to see this picture. I'll try to send it out. Why is it? Is it because they have Jesus? Yes, it's because they have Jesus. That's certainly part of it. But I was thinking about, you know what? You know, here's why they're, they're joyful and content. It's because they're actively engaged in generosity. They are actively using for a very limited time and financial resources for the benefit of others. Generosity is one of the most powerful combatants in an anxious age, so powerful that it can even be a blessing to three 40-year-old women on the third floor of Central Baptist Church in Ukraine. Amen. Every week at City Church, we approach the Lord's table together. It's an opportunity for us to consider Jesus' words to his disciples on the night that he was to be betrayed. Jesus, during the meal, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this one of you, eat of it in remembrance of me. And in a similar manner, after the meal, Jesus took the cup, and as he poured it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this one of you, drink of it. In remembrance of me. And Paul says, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again.
We're remembering the generosity of God in such a way that it might inspire outflow generosity on our behalf that blesses others and results in aroma of thanksgiving to God and gives us joy that exceeds our external circumstances. It's more powerful than whatever we're dealing with right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, please come and participate in this meal. This is an opportunity. And if you're, if you're feeling your sinfulness and you're, and you're just sitting here, you're in the throes of shame, this meal is especially for you. I just want to take it and bring it to you. Say, yes, come and be nourished by these gospel promises that we're talking about right now. Understanding that we're not just remembering uh, that the Spirit of God is at work in such a way that he is nourishing and fortifying us as we submit to this meal in faith. If you're here and you are not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here. Instead of taking a meal that you wouldn't say that you believe in, um, if you feel like it would be fraudulent for you to participate in this meal, just reflect on what we've been talking about. Consider afresh the generosity of God and Jesus Christ and have conversations with us. Find me after the service. Fill out a connection card. After I pray, there'll be an elder or a deacon on either side of this table, and they are going to have a little bowl. And when you approach them, they'll take a wafer out of the bowl and put it in your hand, and you can pivot and grab cup and you can pray up here you can go back into the lobby and pray or just go back to your seat and take the elements when you're ready and after the communion service that elder and deacon will be back uh, in the lobby and they would love to pray for you so go ahead and seek them out uh, if you have a moment let me pray for us lord we do give you praise for this generous meal it's generous in so many ways generous in what it reminds us of uh, generous generous in the way that it nourishes and really equips us to persevere as your people i pray that it would result in this cheerful generosity uh, that blesses other people, glorifies your name, and does indeed give us so much joy in an anxious age. Lord, may we deal with and confess our sin appropriately this morning so that we can freshly enjoy the grace of God in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven that you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. 
great is your faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same i will praise your name great is your faithfulness to Seasons change, you remain the same. God, from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Yeah, your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your to me from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name great is your faithfulness to me Never runs out. Never runs out. Never runs out. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. Sing that with us, stand. I put my faith in Jesus my anchor to the ground my hope and firm foundation he'll never let me down keep singing it i put my faith in jesus my anchor to the ground my hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down. One more time, sing it out. I put my faith in Jesus. Yes, I do. My anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. He'll never, he'll never let me down. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. 
Standing on this mountaintop. Standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful. God, you are faithful. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. Scars and struggles on the way. But with joy our hearts can say Never once did we ever walk alone Carried by your constant grace Held within your perfect peace Never once, no we never walk alone Never once did we ever walk alone? Never once did you leave 
us on our own. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. Every step we are breathing in your grace. Evermore we'll be breathing out your praise. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. 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 Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Hear this benediction and we'll sing the doxology together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. There's nothing more we can do Well, it wasn't true I've never seen a particle The end of the rainbow God's got a promise I can hold In the middle of the struggle God is teaching and performing May not be how I want you to be Here's what I'll do. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I've tasted your goodness. I'm trusting your promise. I'm gonna wait on you. Yes, I'm gonna wait on you. Yeah. I've tasted your goodness. I'm trusting your promise.
Wait on the Lord. 